Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations okay. as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. This is Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and questions. I know it's a little different on a Friday. Uh, You're used to having Pastor Nick Cady with you, but as you know, I've been sharing it for the last few days now that our Refresh Conference is happening in just a few hours Uh, The doors are opening here very, very shortly. It's not too late. You can come and register here if you'd like. It is our annual ministry conference, and with all that's been going on in 2020, uh, we just believe it's from the Lord to open it and to do it and to come together in person on the property, and it's a very, very special weekend. So we're going to have time tonight, and we'll have time tomorrow together here till about one or two o'clock in the afternoon. So it's not a lot of your time, but whatever time you do invest, you'll be blessed. So go to our website, calvaryco.church slash refresh, and you can sign up there. You can just show up to the church. Obviously, this is for you guys that are local. I want to shout out to you guys at Hope FM and Truth FM and the other stations around the country. You can pick up our Refresh Conference afterwards. We're not live streaming it. Uh, but we will be posting it, so you, I'll let you know when I get back uh, after the conference that uh, we'll let you know where it's at. So because of that, we got a lot of pastors coming in town. We have folks coming in, and, uh, and I wanted to uh, introduce you again uh, to a good friend of mine, uh, and his wife is in studio with us. Uh, pastor Bill Buffington has been the pastor at Calvary Chapel in Inglewood, California, for the last 10 years. He was a youth pastor at Calvary Chapel in Downey, California, where we met. Uh, That's where we first became friends uh, for over 11 years. Then the Lord launched him out uh, and has been doing a great work in Inglewood. Uh, And you want information on Pastor Bill, and you might know Bill because we we did a podcast together uh, when uh, one of the first ones that I interviewed when we were talking about the racial tensions, and uh, that certainly is something we can talk about today. We're taking your calls and questions, so it's wide open. There's no agenda, no script today. Uh, we have two pastors in studio uh, that can take your questions. Uh, we can talk ministry together. We can talk what is it like to plant a church. Uh, we can talk uh, what is it like to be a marriage in ministry. Uh, we can talk about what it's like to be a pastor's wife. Uh, We can talk about a lot of things uh, that might be on your mind that just now you're tuned in and you're like, hey, uh, I want to, that's something that's always been on my mind. So the number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 is the number, and you can text us, 720-336-0897. That's a dedicated texting line. Pastor Bill, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blessing to be here, and I'm I'm also looking forward to the refresh conference this weekend. It's going to be good. Yeah, it's I'm looking be forward good. to it. We've got um, we had so this is the neat thing uh, about doing anything right, being led by the Lord. Our original plan uh, was to bring Pastor Skip and Linya Heitzig out. 
Uh, they, they, they said yes, they agreed, and we were going to do this. Uh, the vision back then was to have some, some time of teaching, of course, one of, the, one of, if not the best Bible teacher in the country, uh, get some, have, have some teaching, and then break off men and women, and that was going to be great, but something came up in their schedule, and they couldn't do it. Uh, then we reached out to Greg Glory, uh, and within a day, he said, no, I can't do it. And now we know, I mean, now we know it couldn't be because we need to be praying for Pastor Greg. He's recovering from COVID uh, with the COVID virus. Then we reached out to Miles McPherson. Then things changed uh, with uh, all of the racial tensions and everything, and we went through the third uh, option. We made that the book of the month. We did it as a staff here talking about these things because they're on the surface, and we're like, well, let's bring him out. And, and we called him, and we knew that um, there was a possibility, and he kept saying, well, let me let you know in two weeks. And we're like, okay, uh, a no is not, uh, when we don't get a no, then it's, it's a maybe. So maybes are closer to yes than no. And so another two weeks, another two weeks, and then finally he goes, no. Uh, we knew, we kind of knew that he wasn't going to say yes when he took his vacation but didn't leave San Diego. Uh, and his heart was to stay with his church, stay available for all that time, because it hadn't opened up yet. Uh, and, and we had already had the worship leaders already booked. So Pastor Scott Cunningham is here. Even though we thought he was going to come with his daughter, um, she's very busy recording now that she's signed with the label, and, and she wasn't able to the last minute I talked to Scott. And then Pastor Zach Vesnes from Calvary Chapel in Petaluma is here with his daughter, Abby. They have stayed with us all on. They're both here. I connected with them. So we, things changed. And now they're going to teach and lead worship because they're accomplished Bible teachers and, and uh, pastors that have been pastoring longer than either one of us um, and have been serving the Lord faithfully. Um, Pastor Scott was at Costa Mesa serving with Pastor Chuck, so he's yeah. got the... So at any rate, it's, we don't know what it's going to be. Um, that's kind of how our conferences are. It's definitely... We, or, we, we started Refresh as a conference that wasn't a conference. Like we just wanted, the first year we played games like junior hires. Uh, we did volleyball in the sanctuary. We shot arrows, these foam arrows at each other and had contests. And, and every year it's been different, just being open to the Holy Spirit. So I'm eager to find out how, and the topic hasn't changed, and the topic's unity. Um, and while we're waiting for calls, Bill, what are your observations uh, from where you are in Inglewood? Which Inglewood would be what, uh, would you call that a Los Angeles suburb? Yeah. Um, southeast, west, where would it be from L.A.? West of L.A. West of, so a West L.A. suburb. Mm-hmm. Uh, demographically, what kind of community is Inglewood? Predominantly black and Hispanic, <clears throat> but changing quickly. Gentrifying? Right now. Okay. Yeah. Because a new stadium. Exactly. Uh, uh, what is a football stadium? Football stadium, yeah. Uh, and is it uh, the Rams and the Chargers? Rams, right. I, I think they're going to let the Chargers in for a little bit, but it's, 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 it's the, the main idea was the Rams. Yeah. And so that changed the the community. Then they're they're building it up and changing it. So that is that changing the demographic. It, it's as well? happening rapidly, right, right before our eyes. And so, considering where you're serving and where I'm serving, what what are your general observations of disunity, division, body of Christ culturally? What what are your thoughts just off the top of your head? Yeah, I, I definitely think you know. Even the the idea for the conference and the idea of it being unity is it's critical for the for the church to do what God's called us to do and reflect him rightly in in whatever the culture is. We need the church needs to be unified. So now in our culture, as a predominantly black and Hispanic community, where now there's white people coming into the community, different people view it different ways. I think the church has to be in a position where we view whoever is sent 
uh, are the that becomes the new mission field. That becomes the they become included in the mission of Christ, what we're called to do, who we're called to reach. And so there has to be the unity that Christ brings, you know. And so something I've, I've been I just was talking about this, just looking at what God's doing, even in our own fellowship, that if we make it all about Jesus, it'll be easy for us to be united. Our differences become smaller when Jesus is bigger. And when you demote Christ and you make it about culture, you make it about us in some way, that's where division seems to, you know, kind of peak. And so I think it's critical in this this juncture that the church make everything about Jesus, because if I do that, then I know Jesus loves everybody. He's trying to save everybody. He wants to reach everybody. And if I'm going to let him do it through me, I'll be the, I'll be someone he can reach out through because I know that that's his heart. He wants to save them. He'd want to reach them. But the big barrier becomes, well, I think there's a couple of barriers, and maybe you can give your thoughts on this. Give us a call if you want to join in on any topic. Uh, we're just talking about division and unity because that's the theme of our Refresh Conference. But the lines are open. Pastor Bill Buffington and his wife Mika are in studio with us. We are live. We're taking your calls, 303-690-3000. That's to get on the air with us. And I'm looking at the lines. They're completely empty. So call us. And then text me. I'll be looking at the text messages coming through. I do see a few come through already. Uh, we have a dedicated texting line, 720-336-0897. Uh, I think a couple of barriers that I see, uh, number one is that when you say, when we make it all about Jesus, uh, it's going to help bring unity because he's reaching all people. The response would be typically from a believer I am making it all about Jesus, but what they've done, and it's hard to tell them this, is that they've co-opted the gospel with their particular affinity, whether it be a political affinity, whether it be a parachurch affinity, whether it be some cause. So instead of Jesus being the main source and purpose, the cause, and it, it's a good cause, and it's a worthy cause, and it, it's a valid cause, but I have seen, and maybe you have, maybe you haven't, maybe you disagree with me, but I've seen that the big difference, uh, the big difference is the cause somehow now is Jesus. What do you think about that? I'm seeing that right now with political uh, ideology. So um, you got, where I live, there's two sides of church. You got your, you got your black church and you got your white church in general. A lot of the church is still very, you know, split that way. And uh, they both have their political you know, affinities. And so uh, for some it's become, it's, it's, they've made Jesus American Republican, um, you know, and he, he, he agrees with all their positions on these things. Some have made Jesus democratic and, you know, and, and, and they've made of the opposite. And so it's almost like they, they've attached Jesus to this other thing. And so now he's not bringing unity, it's bringing division. Right. So I, I, I'm seeing that right now. And it's, it's uh it's heartbreaking to see it in what were other what are otherwise healthy churches. You have leaders that are espousing some of these things. I, I I think they're preaching some of these things. Some people are hoping in the election in the way that we need to be hoping in Jesus. They're yeah. they're hoping in this election yeah. like 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 this like like I know there won't be righteous government till Jesus comes back to rule and reign. But it's it's as though some people believe if we get the right guy, man, we can have a 
we can have it. It's, it's like like that's going to change hearts, right? <laughs> so well, and you know, I think I think that that that's a that's a big deal because there's a passion about the the underlying things that are happening in our culture. So you know, if we have the right guy, then abortion will change, and if we have the right guy, then the economy will change, and and if we have the right guy, and that's all true. It has a place in our in our lives, but it's a cause. It's a secondary cause, and it's hard. So just listening, you guys listening in, and it probably even evokes some thoughts in your own mind, but the, the reality is, is that as pastors, it's very challenging, because this is, this is uh, a season where if you're a pastor, you're a spiritual leader, and you've always taught about tickling ears and going after people that want to, you, that you want to hear, like you, you're having them uh, speak to you about what you want to hear, it's now. And this is this is an environment where I've never seen before. I've been I've been in the ministry 28 years uh, out of being saved 29. I've been in, serving in this church now 21 years. I've never seen anything like to the degree I've seen these little episodes here and there. Maybe a new church comes to town, and oh, there's a a new. It's new, 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 and you know they're nicer than you, and whatever, whatever it might be. But now, anything that I say. Um, even if it's like, almost sometimes if I'm reading the Bible, it's going to bring out some kind of divisive response instead of, no, maybe I, I have something to learn and I want to grow. And I know that whoever is elected president, the issue isn't who's elected president. The issue is that you participate in government. That's our privilege right. uh, and participate. And if the person that you voted for does not end up in office, then we're going to learn how to suffer. We're going to learn how to suffer. We're going to learn how to, the, the, if, and I keep telling our church, the Lord gave me a word uh, that I came back from uh, vacation with that I shared a special message this last weekend, and, and I share with them, look, no matter what happens, the word to the early church was continue on in the Lord, continue on in grace, continue on. And if you think persecu- if you think wearing a mask, and that's the, if you think wearing a mask is going to be the hardest thing you ever endure, it, it is only preparatory. And let's just say, I don't think I am, but let's just say, Let's say I'm wrong in my eschatology. Let's say that I have read the Bible wrong and I interpreted the scriptures wrong on the coming of the Lord, and the church does go through the Great Tribulation. Let's just, for the sake of argument, that that's the future for us. If you think it's hard now, uh, it, you haven't seen anything yet. And, and what is it? We've been telling the church for years, Bill. We've been teaching them for years. It's going to get harder before the coming of the Lord. It's going to get harder. Perilous times come. People love, many are going to go cold. We've been teaching, teaching, teaching. And now that it's come, now that it's here, or at least we're experiencing it to some degree, it's revealing a lot of things in our hearts. It's revealing a lot of things in our church's hearts. And I don't know, I, my, my personal response has been, I've been sad. That's been my number one emotion on this. It's made me sad. It's made me sad to see things. Now, I'm not on Facebook anymore. I got off three years ago or so because I couldn't handle reading the stuff that our church was posting. I just couldn't. Or people taking me out or going after me. I couldn't handle it. And I admitted to the church, and I said, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Um, Don't try to contact me there. But I haven't been on Facebook during this, even though some people have forwarded me things. Did you see this? Did you see that? I'm like, I'm not on Facebook because I don't want to see those things. But... It's been it's grieved my heart to see the church respond, to see people in our church respond in such a way that says, "Man, how does that help the gospel?" I don't understand how. I know it makes you feel good, but how does it? What's your been your predominant emotion that you have during this time? 
I, a few things. I mean, when I when I think of the non-believers, I feel like there's just a past there. They don't even know. They don't know the Lord, you know. But I've been, I've been grieved. I've been upset at, you know, when I see Christians, Christian leaders, pastors, when they're saying and doing things that I feel like this is going to hinder the gospel. Yeah. So you're saying this in a public forum and non-believers are hearing this. This is not compelling people to come to Christ. And right. so I definitely believe right now, like if there's a, there's a, I was asking like, Lord, what do we do? Yeah. Preach the gospel and stir the body that what we're supposed to be doing, all the change that we want to see happen, happen. It comes through the, the gospel being received right. one heart at a time. That's where we're not going to legislate holiness, you know, but that's where the change that we hope to see happens will happen. Right. But if the church leaves, it leaves our posts as far as preaching the gospel. And we go do this other thing. Now what, there's no hope that yeah, we're going to see what we desire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that uh, the, I, I was reading, I forget who said it, but it's easy for us to make, it's easy for me to make observations of Pharisees, but if I'm not careful, I'll become such a Pharisee pointing out every other Pharisee. Like I've got to check my own heart in the role that God has given me and knowing that, um, you know, there's a brother that uh, is handling this differently than I would and than I am. But I love that brother. You know, I text that brother. I'm friends with that brother. But I don't want our friendship to always be about what we don't agree on. Like, it's cool if you want to do that. Um, God's using them. People are getting saved. And it's it's wonderful, even though that's not the methodology that I've chosen. However, I, would, uh, I also saw recently a phrase from a pastor uh, that said, you know, what's happening with our people is they're being discipled by, and he used this phrase, YouTube pundits. Like everybody's wanting to jump into the vacuum, if there is such a thing, and tickle the ears. Everyone wants their ears tickled. So instead of really, so my answer to what you're saying is I think the church needs more pastoring than ever before, more shepherding. Like we, we uh, traditionally as a family of churches, Calvary Chapel, we've been very strong on Bible teaching. We've been very strong on verse-by-verse verse handling of the scriptures, expository teaching, not so much strong on the pastoral aspect. Um, I, you know, we came from the same church. I love my pastor. He is my pastor, but I spent more time with Rudy, Pastor Rudy, than I did anybody. He shepherded me through the ministry because I spent more time with him. And so the model that was handed down to us emphasized Bible, 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 but it's the pastor that's responsible to get the Bible, and that means trust, care, concern. It means that we're reflecting Jesus in, not in our viewpoints, not even in our teaching, but if we're really going to affect, if we're really going to open the, the floodgates, I think, for the Word of God to affect people, it's going to come through the Psalm 23 type of shepherd. We're going to sound like, and we're going to look like, and we're going to feel like Psalm 23, because that's Jesus shepherding his flock through us. Uh, and and we're going to stay solid, you know, don't misunderstand me, we're not going to abandon the Bible, we're not going to stop teaching, no, no, nothing like that. But I think the more effective that we can shepherd, because let's turn the corner a little bit with COVID, uh, with the racial tensions, with riots, with COVID, with politics, with isolation, with fear and anxiety, that all the things we've been dealing with are a thousand times worse. A thousand, I'm, I've, I, I mean, I've seen the strong, like the strong and mighty, uh, in our church. I've seen some strong and mighty people uh, be destroyed by this season of, of trial. Uh, marriages, pornography. I mean, pornography, I, I don't know who's doing surveys these days, but pornography has 
I don't even know, quadrupled or whatever. Like they have more time on their hands and people are getting caught more often with pornography because everybody's home mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not getting away with it. Yeah. Leaving their phone there. And, and I just know pastoral ministry is the, is what opens, you know, that's how you hear the shepherd's voice. You know him as a shepherd. You know, I, I like how Psalm 23 is, you don't hear, or Jesus himself, you don't hear the teacher's voice, although he's a teacher. Uh, you don't hear the prophet's voice, although he's a prophet. You don't hear the king's voice when he chose to describe that. He says, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And we have all these pictures of shepherds. And so part of my prayer has just been, Lord, I want to shepherd more, and, and I want to take care. I don't want, I don't, I, I want to be so trusted, and, and again, that's, a relative term that a that a YouTube pundit would not have more authority in someone in our church's life than than what they've learned here for twenty years. But I'll tell you what I, I I think I came to church I don't know five or six weeks ago and I told I said that if one of you sends me another YouTube video I think I'm going to lose my mind. I don't want to I don't want your YouTube videos. I don't want to know what a popular pastor is doing. We're we're fine. What God's doing here. We're we're confident in His calling. Um, are you getting YouTube videos po- forwarded to you for a number of different things? So, you know, I, some things I will look at, some things I won't, um, you know, that I think that for a lot of people, unbeknownst to them, that's where they're studying at. Some people think, Oh yeah, I was spending some time researching. And what they really meant is I've been on YouTube listening to people, yeah. you know, uh, don't realize that you could say on YouTube, anything you want to say. I can, I can type into YouTube what I want to hear and someone's saying it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I'm finding that in all of this, though, I think there has been a sense of a f- affirmation of calling uh, and what what the Lord's wanting to do. So let's turn the corner a little bit. We'll go to the phone lines. Uh, we're going to go right to New Jersey. Michelle, welcome to the program. Hello. Hey, Michelle, you're on the air. Okay, I just uh, wanted to know if um, you could maybe help me come to a better understanding of Recently, I've suffered some uh, real great disappointments and loss, uh, coupled with grief of uh, losing my mother, and I'm, I'm really struggling with trying to figure out where the lesson is in it all. Um, I, I do love the Lord, and I have a good relationship with Him, and I know, I believe, I should say, that He is trying to teach me something through this tribulation, but um, I just, I don't, it's been a... It's been a really difficult recovery, something that I feel has kind of affected my relationship um, because I just, it was such a profound disappointment and hurt, something in my, my profession and my job, and then, like I said, the loss of my mother. I was just wondering if you could maybe shed some insight for me into maybe how I could change the way that I'm praying so that I could ask him for a better understanding and a grip on the trials and the okay. tribulation that... We're gonna start. Um, we're gonna start with Pastor Bill. Bill, what do you think? Yeah, first I would say that you know it may not be that the Lord is trying to teach you a lesson through what you're going through. When you were speaking, the first thing that came to my mind is Job, and uh, before Job went through his encounter that he went through, which we all think of trials, we think of Job. Um, Job's condition or his position before God, God bragged on him. God said, "Job's upright, blameless." fears God, shuns evil. And Satan and Job had a conversation and God, I'm sorry, had a conversation where God boasted. He bragged on Job to Satan and Satan said, Job doesn't love you for nothing. Um, If you let me do these things, he'll curse you to your face. And so as we watch everything unravel in Job's life, his 
um, loss of wealth, his uh, 10 children dying in one day, um, his health deteriorating, even his wife coming by with the word of Satan in her mouth to say, why don't you curse God and die? Um, at that, when, when I look at that, I realize Satan was trying to incite Job mm. against God. And so sometimes when everything comes unglued and, you know, we're, we're not really sure what's going on, we have to remember that, yeah, Satan would love to separate us from the Lord. If, if, if these bad circumstances can cause you to turn away from God, that was, that was the goal. Everything he did to Job was to get Job to turn away from God. Uh, thankfully, Job fell down and worshiped instead. And uh, I would just encourage you. And something I've told our church many times is in our difficult times, uh, there can be the temptation when things go wrong to blame God or to kind of why God, why would you allow this to me and to turn away from him? But uh, you want to turn to him like never before. He's the only help you have. And so you don't want to be tricked. Uh, by the enemy into turning away from the Lord who loves you, who died for you and who the word says he's an ever present help in our time of trouble. He provides supernatural comfort by way of his Holy Spirit. And so you always need him. But in difficult times, you need him even more. And that's where we have to exercise faith. You know, Michelle, we we get um, what's the word disoriented by the trials in our lives. And in trying to get our equilibrium back, we start to look, well, maybe it's me, or maybe if I can come to this one particular level, then it'll be easier, the pain will go away. And I agree with Bill, we don't always know the ways and the whys of God and what he's doing behind the scenes. Uh, we do know a few general things. You know, one of the things, one of the lessons that God wants you to learn is the value of abiding and what a valuable thing it is for you to stay put to enjoy the presence of the Lord, to not define your life by your difficulties, because, right, you're living with them, right? You wake up to them, you think about them all day, you go to bed with them on your mind, you might even dream about them, you know, some kind of nightmare during the night that you can't get away from them because they've become a part of your life. And I was thinking of Paul when he was wrestling. It says he learned, but he, he didn't learn this till after the fact. So I would just say don't put so much pressure on yourself to say i got to learn the lesson uh, instead of learning to enjoy the faithfulness of God. Because Paul, later on in his life, it, when he was in a season, he didn't know it then, and we know that because he asked God, take it away, take it away. But when he writes about it years later, he goes, oh, now I know what God was doing. And this is what he says, for lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure." Nobody wants to be told in the midst of their trial, oh, you know what? God's humbling you, uh, and he's teaching you that you think too highly of yourself and that uh, he's going to show you great things, but don't think too— Like, nobody want, no, nobody would believe that. They would say they would sound like Job's counselors to some degree uh, where they came with all their opinions. But Paul, when he looks back, he goes, oh, now I know. But in the midst of it, what did he do? He cried out to the Lord three times, it says, and the answer of God was this, and I think this is the answer for you. My grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect in weakness. And here's the thing I'm trying to figure out what he's teaching you. That's a position of strength. Knowledge is a position of strength. When we know more, we, we feel more capable. We feel more de uh, less dependent on someone else, more independent. But God's saying, no, 
what, what, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm weakening. I'm allowing the situation to weaken you so you can, ex- you can experience my strength, that you can experience things. That you, you're going through all this, and you're like, I don't even know how I'm still standing. And God says, that's right, because I want you to see I'm strong in your weakness. And, and even later, this is kind of blows your mind, but Paul would say, I'd, I'd rather boast in my infirmities, and nobody wants to do that. So, Father, I pray for Michelle. I pray you would encourage her and strengthen her uh, through all that she's facing, uh, that you would pour out your spirit in abundance, and we thank you uh, that she is turning to you during this time, that she loves you, and that, uh, Lord, you would bring some comfort. You're the God of all comfort, who comforts her in all her tribulation. May she not only know that today, but also feel it and experience it as a tangible reality in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you hear the music. We're already at the first half of the program. You're listening to Calvary Live. We have open lines. Lana, I see you waiting. You'll be next up. Uh, We're talking about refresh. We're talking about ministry. We're talking about challenges. We have Pastor Bill Buffington in studio with us, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back everyone to the second half of Calvary Live. We're so glad that you joined us this afternoon. We do have open lines, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. I know on Fridays uh, you normally hear Pastor Nick Katie's voice uh, this is a special Friday uh, where I asked to, to fill in today uh, because we have our Refresh Conference, and in studio with me uh, is Pastor Bill Buffington uh, from Calvary Chapel in Inglewood, California. Uh, Pastor Bill and I go back many, many years to our time when we were together at Calvary Chapel in Downey. Uh, he's been pastoring now in Inglewood for the last 10 years, church planting, pastoring, Uh, and growing the congregation and reaching that community. Uh, If you want more information with Calvary Inglewood, it's Calvary, and then Inglewood, I know you guys in Colorado spell with an E, but in California it's with an I. It's I-N-G-L-E-W-O-O-D, Calvary Inglewood, or you can put Pastor Bill Buffington. And we are in studio talking about whatever. There's really no agenda. We have open lines. I see some texts have come through, and we'll get to those if we need to. Uh, as you text us, 720-336-0897, or you can call us to be on the air, which is what we prefer, right? We want to talk. This is a radio program. We're in people's cars, in people's houses. We're uh, in uh, the, the hospital rooms. We're, that's where radio goes. So we'd like to talk and dialogue over things, and you can ask a Bible question. You can uh, send a prayer request. Uh, we would love to you for you to do that. We also want to invite you to our Refresh Conference. Uh, It's tonight. It's just a couple hours from now. Uh, We're going to kick it off at 6 o'clock. The doors are open now. And if you haven't registered, you can register online, uh, calvaryco.church slash refresh, or you can come and register here. We'll take care of it here. There's plenty of room. We we did it in person. Um, Yes, we have some restrictions here. Um, the, the one restriction that's probably the most will be uh, we're asking, uh, requiring you to wear masks indoors, um, and, and we will be here, and 
we're going to worship together, and we have guest worship. Pastor Scott Cunningham from Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa. Uh, we also have guest worship and uh, from Calvary Chapel in Petaluma, Pastor Zach Vesnes and his daughter Abby, and then they're also going to share the teaching. I'm going to kick it off tonight in uh, a message on unity. That's the theme, uh, unity, so we want you to come out. Uh, it will not be live-streamed. It will not be live on Grace FM. you got to be here because that's in person. This is all the com- most conferences this year have been canceled. We've been isolated. We've been restricted. I know some of you haven't even opened your churches yet, and that's why we said, no, we're going to do it in person. Uh, we need to do it in person. We've done extra cleaning. Uh, we've got all kinds of protocols in place. We are, to the best of our ability, reasonably following the CDC and the Colorado guidelines. Um, we have chosen to obey God first and then obey guidelines second with input uh, and prayer. So we'll be here. 303-690-3000. Bill, again, Bill Buffington, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here with you. We're glad you're here, and we're going to take a call, another call from the East Coast. We're going to pick up with, it is Lana in New Jersey. Lana, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. I appreciate, um, Pastor, for you have, uh, for taking my phone call. Thanks. So what's up? Yes, I'm, I'm asking for a prayer request um, at this time. I have a, a son that's uh, 25 years old. Um, he has been living with me over the past uh, four years. Um, he's definitely a believer. Um, he is de- you know, following the Lord. However, um, he has been in a lot of troubled times, I would say, over the past four years. And he has sometimes resorted, you know, to marijuana smoking and just making some ungodly choices um, along the way. And I worry about him because I know that he is definitely, you know, a believer. Um, He tries to follow the Lord, but I I feel um, in my spirit that the enemy... um, comes, you know, in, in, in injects, interjects with this and kind of persuades him um, in the other direction. So <laughs> I know I'm getting emotional, and I apologize for that. Um, so I guess I'm asking um, for you tonight to say a prayer um, for my son and um, to have the Lord, you know, really guide him in the direction that he needs to go. Um, because, like I said, I worry about him often, and um, my relationship with him has altered because of his ungodly choices. So I, I just, I, I ask that we we pray that he will come back to a better a better choice and and make more godly decisions. Bill, let's um pray for him it, i guess i guess i'm curious is he in fellowship somewhere where is he seeking does he know that he needs help i'll be honest with you he's very strong-willed um so he feels as if that you know he, he reads the bible but he takes it out of context you know often um so i try to speak with him i'm in fellowship i belong to calvary chapel in my in my in my uh, town mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always going to church, um, and I'm there. Um, I've asked him to come, and, and he claims that you know he's in the Bible and he's he's reading. And he, but I I, I I know that he's just taking it out of context. Um, he picks verses, he picks scripture, 
and he tries to relate that to a situation. And I know better that it's not what it is. Um, so I, I guess he's confused. Okay. Okay. And, yeah. we, we're going to pray for him. And, uh, you know, I, I, before I pray, I just would encourage you as well as, you know, even as you pray, I, I, I hear in you, you're a mommy and, um, um, excusing him, you know, reasoning with it. But the bottom line is, is as adamant as you are, I know he loves the Lord. Um, evidently his lifestyle right now, he's not yielding to God. So, um, loving God would be obeying, yielding, looking to, I'm hearing that he's not yielding. He's twisting scripture. He's not in fellowship. So we're praying for him that he would come to the end of himself. And, um, cause God loves him. You know that more than you can. And so, um, so let's pray for him. Let's pray that God would apprehend him in a real way mm. that there be fruit that would come from his life. And so father, we just come before you now in the name of your son, Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, we stand in agreement with our sister. We know that she loves her son and mm -hmm. wants to see him in relationship with you, walking with you, yielded to you. Mm -hmm. And so, God, you know better than any of us uh, what it will take for him, what needs to transpire in his life. Lord, we pray that you would be merciful. God, we pray that you would put in his life people that he would hear. Uh, God, we pray that um, I pray that my sister would see her son turn from whatever he's into and turn to you wholeheartedly. God, that he would walk with you, that he would love you, that he would be yielded to you. And so, mm -hmm. uh, God, we pray that he would have a life transforming encounter with your gospel, with your truth, with you, your person, that he would never be the same. And uh, give my sister grace and wisdom, uh, Lord, as she interacts with him and loves him the best that she can. But God, we, we commit him into your hands. No one loves him more than you. No one wants to see him saved and, and walking more than you. So God, we commit him into your hands and we ask that you would, you would move on his behalf. Lord, open blind eyes. Soften hard hearts, reveal yourself to him, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Keep Pastor, us up to date. I really date. appreciate that. I really do. Thank you. Keep us up to date, okay? Well spoken. Thank you so much. All right, bye bye. God bless. 303 690 I'm in studio today with Pastor Bill Buffington, and we are taking your calls and questions. We're talking ministry. We want to remind you about our refresh conference. Uh, which is tonight. It's a ministry conference. I know a lot of times you go to pastor's conferences or you hear them. This is not a pastor's conference as much as it is a time of gathering to encourage you. And if there's ever a time where we needed to be encouraged and be together, and I know uh, some of you haven't even opened your churches yet, and it's been hard. It's been challenging. Um, we've been isolated. We've been, um, some people still even feel isolated because there's restrictions or there's things that are unfair or, or, not right or politicized or government overreach. It could be all true, um, but the real reality is, is how are we going to respond to it? One of the ways we've chosen to respond to it is to the best of our ability to meet those requirements and still be believers and still do what God's called us to do, still come together, still be together, um, still worship, sing, study the Bible, fellowship together. And one of the ways we're going to do that is by being in person here at Calvary Church tonight, Although I have to say, Bill, you know, there is a real um, concern. I was telling, it was I, I, a pastor friend of mine was coming in. Um, he signed, you know, we talked about this a long time ago. He's going to come in, COVID hit. And then 
I told him I was texting him today earlier about some things, and and I said, yeah, we've got a few a few uh, people um, signed up for this, and he said, you know, I don't want to be in a room with that many people, and so I responded to him, uh, is that fear, or is it caution? And he said it's a little bit of both because he's got diabetes, uh, he's got all these different factors in his life that. He's measuring out how he enters back in with this virus. He's done some other things, but he's not ready to be in a room with 500. And, and I say to that, that's okay. Like, this is where you're at right now. And I commend him doing other things. He, he told me, and so in our conversation, he ended up saying, yeah, you know, we finally got away for a couple of days, me and my wife, and I finally stayed in a hotel room for the first time in nine months. And that was huge. Uh, and I think that we can easily become all hypercritical and judgmental of people if they're fearful they're fearful like what we should be preparing for the fearful we should be encouraging them we shouldn't be judging them and oh you know it's not that big a deal well first of all it is a big deal you you can name a lot of people you you can if you don't know someone i can put you in contact with someone who has lost a family member because of covid so just be careful with your words it is a big deal there may be all kinds of layers of uh, nonsense associated with it politically and every, but it is a big deal, uh, and and people's fears, real or perceived, they feel the same way. <laughs> like if I perceive a fear or I feel it, it's real. They feel the same way. Like it's the same thing, and we got to be careful. Like, well, yeah, they all just need to be in church. Yeah, I agree. We all need to be together, um, but we don't need to berate one another if they're if a person's at a different place than we are because we're all different, uh, and. And we, I'm, I'm telling you, for us, uh, I just the the way that we've approached this bill is, if if something ever happens on the property here, I'm going to be the one to sit across the table from that family. I'm the one that's going to meet with the authorities, and I want to look them in the eye and say, what did we do wrong exactly? Like, what did we do wrong? We we did the best that we could to care for you, love you, uh, meet you in the middle, give you the choice of whether you wanted to be here. Um, I don't want to sit across from the table. Well, yeah, we were careless. We just we just felt like yeah, it wasn't real, and we're just going to pretend it didn't happen. And um, I don't know. I don't want to. I, I I can't sleep. I I just don't think that's the Lord. Lord took things seriously, um, and and I I don't want to be in fear. I personally don't have a fear, um, but I do have a fear if I got it that I would give it to somebody or that I could hurt somebody. Um, you know, cause we're huggers here, man. I don't, I'm sure your church is too. Like we're huggers. And, and so we're kind of getting back and you're like, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute. And then the government doesn't have any, like our governor is not a believer. He has no mind of Christ. So the people making the decisions like, well, you can't fellowship. Well, what do you, you can't touch each other. You stay six feet apart. Wait, hold on a minute. That's my choice. Yes. What do you, so, something I, I, we thought we talked about this on the way here as we uh, flew here. Uh, getting on the shuttle, um, stand, we were we're sardined in the shuttle to get <laughs> to get to the you know terminals. Then we're in the airport. You know, no one's really six feet apart, even though they in the the seats they space it out. So I'm like, man, we people are not social distancing everywhere else. Um, so I I definitely think the church needs to come together. But like you said, um, we have to be respectful of the fact that there are believers that for whatever reason. They see it different than I do. This isn't a division point. Right. You know, I'm not going to talk bad about mm-hmm. someone that's doing it different. Uh, because like you, I had to pray. I had to go before the Lord for what we would do at our church at every juncture. So, you know, every man be convinced in your own mind. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. Right. 
Um, and so I, I got to worry about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and what God said for me to do. And I'll, I'll give you the grace to do what God tells you to do. We'll all be accountable to him for what we've done. Yeah, we and we're going to do it together. We're the, we've always been different. There, that God has valued diversity. You could see that in creation. You can see that in every part of life there's diversity. And yet the Bible, and this is kind of the theme of our conference, the Bible speaks of that diversity being unified at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where it all, that's where I was changed. That's where you were changed. Um, give us, uh, let me take a call, and then I want to come back, and I want you to share your three-minute version of your testimony. All right? Cause I, and then I'm going to share... Uh, I have something to share if you don't share it. So I'm going to go to Sarah in Fort Collins, Colorado. Sarah, welcome to the program. Thanks, Pastor Ed. I'm calling in just to thank you. And I've listened to you so for so many years, and I know you well enough that you would say, you know, it's not me, it's God, and I know that. But I just felt moved to call and say thank you so much for your ministry. Mm-hmm. You are Your welcome. church, your faithfulness to God. Um I know you've always given us the truth. You give us Jesus. And I just called to, I don't mean to be emotional because I want to be encouraging to you. <laughs> I don't want you to be encouraged and stay strong in the Lord. Thank you, Sarah. I received that. And I do believe it's from the Lord, but I'm grateful uh, to be an instrument in his hand. And that you are. So keep going. I'm sure, Pastor Bill, you're just as fantastic, too, he, but he's not. just know that we love you and, and stay strong in the Lord. Sarah, Sarah, he's not as fantastic as me. I just want you to know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Ed, you, Sarah. Ed, Ed Thank is a blessing. You. Pastor Ed is a blessing. <laughs> All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Mika, what do you think? <laughs> Marie's not in the room to defend you, <laughs> Bill is pretty fantastic. <laughs> Bill is fantastic. So, so Bill, uh, can you give us, you know, a, an abbreviated version of your testimony? Yeah. So I grew up in Inglewood. I've been there my whole life, and I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so neither one of my parents were believers. Um, but uh, I, I did go to Catholic school, so for whatever that's worth. Um, so I grew up my adolescent life, teen life, didn't know the Lord. And by the end of high school, I was selling weed. I was getting drunk. I was, you know, weed, getting drunk and sex with girls. Those are my vices. That's what my life, that my life was about those three things. Um, I move out, uh, and you know, I'm just kind of doing my thing, living my life. I'm not pursuing God, not seeking God. I have a child at 18 um, that's a life alteration. I move into a different place. I let a, the girl move in with me, with my daughter. And it was from there that it seemed like God just starts sending people to me with the gospel. A friend of mine that got saved in high school. Uh, so maybe one of the few people I knew that was, I saw repent. Like I saw him get saved and then he left our group. He left the party and out of high school, married his girlfriend. So they move in an apartment building right upstairs from me. Huh literally up on top of me where I'm shacked up with a girl and my buddy Curtis, the Lord uses him to mercifully, graciously share the gospel with me over and over and over again. And um, that in concert with someone giving me a, 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 a track that said what to do to go to hell. And when you open it up, it says nothing. <laughs> I, I was convinced that God was coming for me. And I, I did uh, it really was a fear of hell. The, it, it was my understanding of what hell was and that that's where I was going, that gripped me to say, all right, I need to be saved. Uh, I knew I didn't want to play with God, so I got saved. This is October of 1995. 
My buddy took me to Calvary South Bay night service to go, you know, pray with a pastor. Uh, I got a great word from that pastor at night. It was about counting the cost. Yes. And I was on my way. I left the church that night, um, committed to walk with the Lord. Um, you know, the Lord in short order, God, you know, had me move out from the girl I was living with. That was first. Within the first two weeks, God really delivered me from a, a everyday alcohol addiction. Um I, I sold all my drugs and paraphernalia to a friend of mine. So I kind of cashed out the drug <laughs> game. And and I started walking with the Lord. And um, I don't have a church home. So I'm kind of visiting friends that have invited me to church over the years. Two months in, uh, I'm at LAX Airport. I meet this pretty black girl. Ooh, man. Uh, that's my wife. I met her. <laughs> She's on her way to a wedding. So anyway, I met her. The That was a big part of the sanctification. She was already saved. She wasn't convinced I was really saved all the way yet. So I feel like some things God speeded up because I was like, man, I, I think that's who I would want to be with. Um, the Lord used that to really make me make some, I think I made some choices a lot faster. Yeah. And um, and then I've been walking with the Lord since then. I, I, I fell in love with the word as it was changing my life. Uh, there was faith in it. And uh, I, I desired to share it. I used to drive and preach messages. And uh, eventually, you know, you know, really was clear that that was what God had called me to do mm-hmm. and uh, preached my first sermon in nine, February of 97 at uh, our old church and have been serving God ever since then. So a few different churches, you know, right. but that's the short version. So so then the, the thing that came to mind that, to ask you to do that is, you know, we're sitting in a room um, with a couple that's been married 23 years. We're sitting in a. I'm sitting in a room, and you're with me because you're with the. You're on the. You're listening to us. You're part of the show. Uh, they that you. You've got a pastor and his wife uh, overseeing a church for ten years. Uh, pastor Bill's been pastoring um, and, and teaching the Bible for uh, 11, 12, 13 years. All of that, and 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 we just accept it. We we're exciting. We look at what God has done. We don't know his backstory. We don't even need to know his backstory. We immediately give this credibility to a pastor, uh, which is great. Sometimes, though, we get that sense that, well, you know, pastors are born that way, or pastors are born, you're wearing glasses, I'm wearing glasses, like we came out of the womb with glasses and never got in trouble and had a Bible, and and we have a story, we have a past. But the thing, when I did the podcast with you, and I use this I, I use this a lot because it's it was profound for me, of all that we talked about, there was a profoundness. You and I were both in Southern Cal during the Rodney King riots, uh, you and I were both. Uh, I don't. What year was that? I was four. Okay, so I was saved by then. Um, I was working for an ambulance company in Montebello. Uh, I was on duty when it was all going down. So they were shutting the city down, shutting Whittier Boulevard down, Beverly down, and getting ready for all everybody coming because they did come through. Uh, and I remember it like it was yesterday, watching it on TV, dispatching all the ambulances. Um, but while I was watching it on TV, um, you shared with me that you were a part of the rioting. And uh, that was how you were expressing yourself. You weren't saved yet. You were expressing the anger, the frustration. Um, I don't want to speak for you. What were you expressing? <clears throat> so it was 92. 92. Um, so that was summer before, I think, 12th grade. But, yeah, there was definitely a, you're appalled that this guy got beat. Someone caught it on camera. They got caught. They're going to jail. And it goes all the way through the court system that we're trusting in. And then they all go free. So everything at that point, all the rioting, you know, some of it was revolt. It was 
Um, you know, the, the slogan back then was no justice, no peace. You know, and we mm-hmm. tore up our cities and whatnot. Um, I, but honestly, too, there was anarchy and there was, you right. know, friends and jumping in trucks and just snatching stuff. And so be, some of it just was opportunist stuff. Sure. Um, but it was all it started off with a man. I can't believe that that, you know, why would we, why follow any laws in if the, the law's not for us? The laws don't help us. So right. that that was the attitude. And, and to me, the, the reason why I share this and the reason why I'm glad that you shared it when we were talking is that there is such animosity, such a response to the rioting that we see now, the difficulty we see now, the everything. But, but who's, who's the next pastor? Who's the next person God's going to grab a hold of their heart? We're not advocating it, not approving of it. Uh, we're, we're not saying it's okay because look what happened with Bill. Like that's so, like, you know, we all have past. Uh, no way would I ever want to repeat my past. However, it's, it's God saved me out of my past. And everyone that you're watching that is, you know, I saw today, I saw an article where a lot of the people in Portland that were given passes on all their crimes, they're just let go and everything was dropped. And of course it gets communicated politically, but as I was looking at the pictures and they were some interesting people in the pictures, my heart broke for them because they're lost. Uh, There's no other way to say it. They're lost, they're involved in it, but here we are, 1992, I was only one year in the Lord back then, so I probably was a real raw Christian in 92 watching that all unfold. Uh, but now, as you fast forward 18 years, uh, you fa- would that be 18 years? Eight? No, 28 years. You fast forward 28 years, there was a man that you may have seen on TV, or you may have been your neighbor, or may have been the guy down living under the apartment under you. Uh, God had a plan for him. And we can't forget that men, women, black, white, uh, any race are created in the image of God. And in the image of God, there's great hope, great potential. Why? Because of the cross of Jesus Christ. And who would have been able? Uh, I have my own story. I wasn't out partying. I mean, I wasn't out rioting, but I definitely was out causing riots and causing... I was a drain on society. There was nothing positive I was adding to society. And I was just listening to our radio broadcast today um, because... For some reason, we got so much response from today's episode. So I went and I listened to them. Like, what what were they hearing? And 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 one of the things I had shared is I shared a little bit of how bad I was in this. And I remember seeing and I started thinking through. I remember seeing the disappointment in my parents' faces every single time they were bailing me out of jail or what I got into and just looking at me. They never really communicated at that, but you could see it. You're like, oh man, what did this guy's never going to get it, man. He's just never going to get it. He's never, he's going to waste his whole life. Or, and then, and then there was one episode, one part of what I shared where I remember, I forgot a lot of stuff. So that's praise God for that. But a lot of stuff I haven't forgotten. And I remember the morning that Marie and I went in and sat her mom down in her house and told her mom that her teenage daughter was pregnant. And I thought, I'm doing the right thing by telling her mom, but I remember her face. I remember the anguish. I remember the cry. I remember the tears. And the message was about nobody's beyond the reach of God. And sometimes you just think, man, pastors are born that way. They go to seminary and created that way. Or, But we all have a story. And if we could just see people the way the Lord sees them, you just don't know. Of course, everybody that's doing that is not going to become a pastor, but they're, the blood of Jesus Christ covers them all. And we may not be the ones, like if our response was not just anger at the destruction and everything and the anarchy, but also our response would be brokenhearted. That's what started a movement. Kay Smith, 
in our own little family of churches, brokenhearted over the hippies. It wasn't even Chuck. Pastor Chuck Smith wasn't immediately brokenhearted over the hippies. His attitude was, take a shower and get your hair cut and be a part of society. But he, it took his wife to come alongside and go, no, honey, we, we are brokenhearted of these lives that are being lost. And it sparked a movement. Yeah, something that has been on my heart as I'm watching this happen is... Um, it, it is a time where the church needs to see that they're hurting people, lost people, and they're looking for, you know, they're looking for, they want, they don't know they're looking for the Lord. They're looking for God. Um, and sometimes it's everyone else is there, but God, everyone else is there with an answer. And so the, the BLM movement, you know, which we don't agree with the, you know, where they stand for and everything else, but they're there. Um, there's other groups that are out there trying to capture people in their emotion and whatnot. And so, um, just becomes so important that the church be there with the gospel, um, not angry at them, but but again, like you said, seeing that man, these are this is evidence of a people that they need Christ. And there's a power of relationship because your testimony, a guy in high school gets saved, leaves the group, is similar to mine. That's how it started. Man, John got saved at some hyper Pentecostal church, and we didn't want anything to do it, but it was obvious he changed and he left. He didn't want anything to do with us anymore. He would never come with us anymore. And he's actually not the one that shared the gospel with me. It was another guy in our group who was connected to John who then got saved. And that's the connection with me. And so it's relational. Like you you live in a neighborhood. You live in an apartment. You have friends from high school. You have friends from college. And that you, you get one ounce of more of credibility uh, by having that relationship. And so the relational aspect of the gospel, we can't lose. You know, you screaming at people and yelling at people aren't going to do it. Um, but relate, relating to them, loving them, accepting them. So we're up to the end of the show, Bill. Welcome. Welcome to Colorado. Glad to have you back. Yeah, glad to be here, man. I'm looking forward to refresh. We're going to be here tonight. You hear the music. Uh, come on out or pray for us. Either way, we're going to be here. We're starting in an hour, I think. Six o'clock is, let me see. I got the schedule. Yeah, we're starting at six. So come on out. The Lord bless you, encourage you, pour his spirit out upon you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.